0: Today on CityCast Denver, thanks to the pandemic, Denver's housing crisis, and the Supreme Court's decision two weeks ago to strike down the federal evictions moratorium, there are 12,000 people here in Denver living under the imminent threat of eviction. That figure comes courtesy of my guest today, who is part of a new organization with a plan to help. Today is Thursday, September 9th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver.
1: this do i have to be really careful or presumably you're gonna cut this up and edit it anyway right i can be as long-winded as i want yes
0: (laughs) i say that cautiously just because i'm not the person that edits the audio (laughs) my guest today is ren echo of newer denver that's newer as in no eviction without representation a new group of activists gathering signatures for an initiative to help renters here in the city So we'll start with a sort of bigger picture of evictions um, in Denver, but this is sort of a national issue, too. And a couple of weeks ago, the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the Biden administration's national moratorium on evictions. So where does that leave Denver when it comes to evictions?
1: Uh, pretty bad specifically. Yeah. So we had state protections until the start of the year. At this point, the only thing left in Denver is a governmental order that's been put in place by Jerry Polis, which basically just gives them 30 days to evict you instead of 10. Uh, so it's not really a good situation. I tried, I, I sort of knew we were going to talk about this. So I tried to calculate like what, amount of people are really going to be affected by that moratorium getting knocked down. My estimate is about 12,000 new people on the street as a result of that. Oh, wow. Which that won't hit all at once, right? It's not going to be a thing that's just going to happen one day. That's over the next year, probably. But that's about what that eviction moratorium expiring means, is about 12,000 new people on the street and a lot of other people, you know, in a a really uncertain position.
0: And is that 12,000 people in Denver rent or in Colorado? No, that's in
1: Denver. So we we know roughly how many people are behind on rent in Colorado. It's about one hundred fifty thousand, and we don't know exactly how many of those people are going to get evicted. But we can sort of assume that on the long term, it's going to be pretty much all of them, right? Because if they're in that position, um, you know, even if they're not getting evicted right away, the types of things that could prevent that aren't going to hold long term. That reflects, uh, you know, economic insecurity. And then in terms of what number of people who get evicted become homeless, that's, like, way harder to figure out. But I found a study that estimated it at about, like, 30%. And I calculated based on that.
0: So you're part of this group, No Eviction Without Representation. Yep. Or is it – it's a group. It's. Can you explain what it is or what you're
1: doing? So – no Eviction Without Representation, or Newer Denver, is a ballot initiative campaign to provide free, automatic, universal legal representation for tenants facing eviction. So basically, it's a law that we wrote with our lawyer that would um, it would start this program that would provide free legal representation for anybody who's going through that eviction process in the court system. And it would tell them right at the very beginning that they have that right. Um, it's funded through a small yearly tax on landlords themselves. And that goes into a program that does all of this stuff. And we're running a campaign to get it on the ballot right now. And if we succeed, it'll be on the ballot next year.
0: So if it is on the ballot and it passes, it becomes like you're saying something that's paid for through an annual tax of $75 per unit. And that's paid by the landlords.
1: Yes. So it's it. It assesses a $75 yearly tax on landlords who own real estate property, um, and it, so that's like $6.25 a month that they're paying into this fund, and then it, it fuels this program.
0: Is there concern that that cost could be passed on to tenants?
1: Yeah, a little bit. I'm not going to lie. I mean, the the problem is that there's like almost no protections for tenants in Colorado, right? And that's the exact thing that we're trying to fix here, so it's, it's hard to really – do anything like that without running that risk. Um, but the hope is at least that, you know, it, it's a really small amount both for landlords and tenants, right? We don't want to be overtaxing people. And so, I mean, this $6.25 a month seems really worth it to uh, to fuel a program that could help a lot of people stay in their homes, especially when um, we know that landlords are raising the rent way higher than that anyway in a lot of cases. Yeah.
0: And that's a good point. It's like providing some protections that weren't there in the first place. So if it's $6 extra a month for legal representation, that's
1: that's pretty great. Yeah. I mean, that's a much better deal than the $50 they're going to raise it anyway for getting (laughs) nothing. Right. Yeah. Right.
0: Um, So we were talking earlier and you said Newer Denver doesn't really have a formal structure around it. You're a volunteer. Most of your team are volunteers. So I'm curious about you. How did you get involved with this?
1: So last year it happened, right? Um, And I am living in Five Points in an area that's like the pretty much the epicenter of the homelessness crisis and like a lot of low-income housing. And so I was seeing it, you know, impact a lot of my neighbors and stuff. And I wanted to get to learn more about that stuff and get more involved with it. And I wound up uh, getting caught up in a homeless encampment sweep last uh, July and then from there, I, I just started talking to people about this issue, like anybody that I could find. And I met a guy from the Denver DSA who uh, got me involved with the eviction defense program.
0: And DSA, for those who aren't familiar, is the Democratic Socialists of America.
1: Yeah. For a while, to put a little more detail on what we were doing, we um, we reached out to people through the court system who were being evicted, and we would, we would get their information from the courts, and then we'd contact them and just see, like... What we could connect them with, right? Whether it's rental assistance or legal assistance. And most of what we ended up doing really was getting people lawyers. Um, and so we ended up having to stop doing that actually last December because the laws changed in a way that really ultimately is a, is a good thing. Actually, a new law passed that meant that, um, landlords can't easily look up these like in progress eviction court proceedings to discriminate against people, but that also meant that that we can't either, right? Nobody nobody can access that anymore. And so we stopped being able to contact those people and then um, you know, looking at what else can we do, we decided to start newer Denver.
0: So this pr- prior to that there was this ability to see who was being in the process of being evicted and, and right. landlords may potentially be using that to not rent to those people.
1: Oh yeah, there's a whole history of uh, informal, informal screening of people through all kinds of information that, you know, whether or not they can te- technically legally have that, you know, if they have access to it. And so, yeah, this new law was passed to prevent that. And it, it now cut off access to all that stuff from the court system.
0: So you said that, I mean, it's like a good thing ultimately for privacy concerns, but it also made it so that you all couldn't find folks that might need help. Right, exactly. Okay. Um, so in June, Denver City Council passed an ordinance that would provide legal assistance to some tenants facing eviction. How does the work that you all are doing with this ballot initiative play into that ordinance that was proposed by uh, Councilwoman Seda and Sawyer?
1: So we actually worked with Seda uh, Baca and Sawyer to, on that, and we were big supporters of it. But our push there was basically we wanted it to be universal and permanent, right? Because so the thing that they put into place – is funded by this sort of, you know, whatever money the city has left over, it's subject to appropriations. And it's sort of a, a, an uncertain future for that program at the moment. And on top of that, it provides the service, like you said, only to, to some renters, right, and specifically only to people who can prove and verify their income and that it's below a certain level. So our worry is that that doesn't include a lot of people, and then it doesn't include specifically a lot of people who might really need that service, right? Like undocumented immigrants or poor people who aren't, you know, part of the formal economy. People who who might have a hard time proving their income. Plus, um, as we were talking about before, you know, you really you have ten days in this process normally. Which is not a lot of time to try to verify your income, get your tax information together. So we're 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 really worried that a lot of these people who might most need access to representation aren't gonna get it through that program. Um and so we're really happy about them passing that just because it takes place now, right? Which it's pretty clear that we need this now, and that's just not something you can do with a ballot initiative. But um the hope is that our program then will take that and make it universal and permanent to like address the underlying problem.
0: This seems like kind of an obvious question, but why or how is it important – like how important is it that tenants have legal representation during these proceedings? Because it seems to be that that's that's what this ballot initiative would would fund and support, which is people need legal representation. Um, Can you just talk about how that plays into the eviction process?
1: I don't think that's obvious at all, actually. I mean this is one of the things that really surprised me doing this work is how much of a difference – Uh, just showing up to court and having a lawyer really makes. I think a lot of people don't just because they they think it's pointless, right? Um, They're like, oh, I'll just lose anyway. But um, really, that's not the case, actually. In practice, this is really treated as sort of an automatic practice. It just goes from start to finish without the tenant participating at all. If you don't show up to court with a lawyer, you just get... You know, flash evicted. There was nobody ever even looking at your case. Whereas, if you show up to court with a lawyer and you do what's called filing an answer, literally just that, it like shoots down your chances of actually getting evicted to like six percent. It makes a huge difference because what wow. can happen then is. Um, again, you're just you're, you're getting them to actually look at your case and say like, okay, is this eviction really valid? And, you know, is this the best solution to the situation? And if you have a lawyer who's willing to negotiate for you, they can also try to get something like a, a non-judgment stipulation so that, you know, even if they say the eviction is valid, that maybe you can work with your landlord to work something out, right? And you can, you can leave, but you're not going to end up with that eviction on your record that's going to leave a permanent impact on your life.
0: So representation really can have – legal representation can have a huge impact on the outcome of these eviction cases.
1: Yeah, more than you'd expect actually. We saw this in a couple other cities that have done this and their eviction rates went down by like 90% afterward.
0: Wow. So usually it sounds like this is this is an issue right now because most people don't
1: have representation. Almost nobody even shows up to court, right along with a lawyer.
0: Yeah. But the landlords tend to –
1: Oh, almost all of the landlords have a lawyer.
0: Yeah. That's just wild to me. Like someone who's a judge or sits in on this situation never once thought like maybe this is not working if we consistently have – this outcome
1: it's really strange to watch too um we've we've done some eviction court monitoring rights that try to help people um they would they go through the dockets super fast it's just name 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 okay go go sign this piece of paper wow. it's it's insane and it's such a big i mean it's
0: our housing it's like it's the the root of our all our stability as humans and this is just like well pff, you're out okay yeah um, so, say it does pass. Say it gets on the ballot and it passes. Um, is there some big picture goal for you all, or, or what are you what are you hoping is the outcome?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, so in some of these other cities where they've already done this, you see the eviction rate shooting down by like ninety percent, things like that. I'd really love to see that here. I mean, we're going to need that if this you know pandemic uh, crisis continues to to fuel this problem. But I mean, more long term, I'd just like to see this moving into a, a movement for more tenants rights in Denver, more generally, I'd like to see people, you know, working to organize within their communities just to try and, and assert their rights. Because right now, um, landlords have a lot of power in Colorado, and there are really very few checks on that. And I'd, I'd like to see more legislation in that direction, I think. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. And I think, again, it's like an invisible crisis to a certain extent, but if, if you're not experiencing it directly, but once you realize what big part of it is to our – it's this component of our housing crisis, it's a huge issue that impacts neighborhoods, frankly.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, the goal is keeping people in their homes.
0: Well, and like you were saying earlier, and I think um, keeping people in their homes – keeps them from starting this sort of snowball effect of things that can happen to you once you've been evicted and then you may become unhoused and then, you know, it goes on and on and on. And it's it's harder and harder, I think, to get people housed once they've been out.
1: Yeah, it's a lot easier to prevent the problem than it is to fix it once it's happening, right? And so the hope is that this will this will keep people out of that situation to begin with.
0: Well, Ren, thank you so much for joining me on CityCast Denver today. Well, yeah. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Ever since the pandemic started, there's been tension between conservative Douglas County and the Tri-County Health Department, which, as Colorado Community Media reported, is responsible for safeguarding the health of 1.5 million residents of Douglas, Adams, and Arapahoe counties. Just in the past few weeks, county commissioners and many Douglas County parents have been up in arms over the department's mask mandate for Doug Co. schools. And earlier this week, tensions reached a breaking point. The three Douglas County commissioners voted unanimously to create their very own health department. The vote ends Doug Co.'s 55-year relationship with Tri-County Health, which will probably need to start calling itself something else. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya.
1: Hey, listeners! It's me, Paul. I'm a producer on the show. I'm here with uh, our other producers, Natalie and Alexandra, and our newsletter writer, Peyton. Uh, Bree doesn't know we're here right now, but this is a special message just for her. Bree, happy birthday! Happy birthday,
0: happy Happy birthday, Bree!